Adam Strauss. And I'm Jordan Iper, MD. And this is not therapy. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much therapy. It's not therapy, man. Hey, Adam. Hey, Jordan. <laughs> Ooh, so serious. Uh, well, that may just reflect my general mood, which is is something um, that may be a factor in this discussion. In that, yeah, I'm just I'm in a I, I'm I'm not quite sure. Independent of what you and I are going to discuss, I, I've been feeling less well emotionally over the last few days and i i'm unable to to kind of to to pin that to a specific narrative a specific reason and i suspect it probably has to do mostly or entirely with the state of the world and the state of the world being the pandemic and also specifically how that impacts me yeah. which is mostly the way it's impacting everyone in that my normal life is on hold, which <laughs> felt we've talked about felt good. Actually, I've really yeah. been, I've haven't been having a pretty sweet quarantine by a lot of standards living in a beautiful house with a woman who I really appreciate and have strong feelings for. But, um, yeah, you know, as time goes on, I, I guess it makes sense that it's going to kind of affect all of us in different ways. And, uh, and yeah, so I, again, it's not a conscious thing, but it, there's just a sense of, of usually when I, when I experiencing, I'll call them negative for lack of a better term, negative emotions, uh, I can usually say, okay, I'm anxious about this or I'm upset about that. And I can't really do that here. So, yeah, but I have been noticing, a. a a heightened degree of rage about politics, about U.S. politics, which mm. I think is a clue that, yeah, the whole state of the world. That's thing. a cl- that's a clue that you're so fucked up. Like you're <laughs> just about, totally. <laughs> that's about, it's your about mom. my mom. That's it. It's about, my mom. it's about your mom. There's. It's just a pure projection. <laughs> so um, that's to the extent that my tone sounds less effusive than usual. Um, <laughs> I think that's why. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely can connect with that. I think I've also been feeling just the weight of the world pressing in on me more and the sort of, yeah, the uh, coronavirus honeymoon period where it was obviously stressful, <laughs> like but it was um, but it was also like such a radical break from my normal life and therefore in, in a way from my normal mind states um, yeah. that it was enlivening in a way. And I've been feeling some normal more kind of normal old habits of mind creeping back in at the edges uh recently and actually yeah this the topic we wanted to explore together today i think is emblematic of that it's brought up some it's brought up some some moments for me where i felt like oh yeah you're uh, yeah uh, just a little bit of worry and less kind of intuition and knowingness than i uh, less less feeling like i'm firing all cylinders and in, in sort of flow than maybe i was a month ago or two i don't, I don't know yeah um, yeah that's interesting i yeah and may i i wouldn't have characterized the way i've been in recent months during this quarantine time as kind of in flow but maybe i have been more I, in that it's certainly been an exercise in surrender um letting things go and I've seen that mostly through the in the arena of this relationship with Clara, but in other other ways too. Obviously, 
just the the number, the amount of choices available to us and the ways that we can shape our reality have drastically narrowed, even in really mundane ways like, oh, I can't just decide I'm going to go to a restaurant tonight or I'm not going to you know, drop by this comedy club tonight and maybe do yeah. a spot. Yeah. And I think that this issue, so let me introduce that, part yes. of, part of um, what has perhaps, yeah, just made it feel more complicated it is that it is, it is uh, this, we're at a choice point in our relationship with each other. There's a, a, yeah, there's sort of material choices to be made that, it, and, and and so that has brought stuff up for both of us. So I'll I'll pivot to that topic. It's really the moment everyone um, listening to this show has been expecting. I'm assuming everyone's been expecting this since day one, and that is uh, the inevitable. I topic. Jordan's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Skipped my therapist and went right to my mom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. After that, the second most inevitable scenario to emerge between us, which is um, <laughs> discussions around used car sales, motor vehicles, motor vehicles. It's what really it was the, the Freud Young split was occasioned by, by, by the horseless carriage debacle of 1894, well known in the psychoanalytic historical literature. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Freud got a hot new carriage. And but in all seriousness, yeah. Yeah, this, so this it also is a thing that's come up. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's really juicy. Um Do you wanna do you wanna recap for Let me recap? We, so basically, yeah, we've had a few offline conversations. Yeah, we've uh, had a few offline about, conversations. Yeah. Basically what happened is I I got a new car. Um I had been planning on getting a new car for a long time. Um, I've had, I've had this car, a car for 15, 14 years. Um, that is very much like a part of my life and sort of, I grew, I grew up with this car first, basically the first car I've ever owned. Um, and I got, I, I recently got a new car. And so the decision of what to do with the, uh, with my old car has come up. And specifically just to, to clarify a bit in reference to me, the, what to do thing comes, comes down to, so I am in the Bay area. Uh, currently, and will probably be here for for a while. And I do not have a car right now. And so, so the way this came up specifically was you had mentioned you were going to buy a new car, and it, and uh, and I was mulling over my options in terms of cars, and it popped into my head. Whatever, like a week ago, I was like, "Oh, Jordan's getting rid of his car. Maybe we can work something out." And so that that's yeah. how this whole thing started. Yeah. And yeah, I'll just describe my process. I think I initially was uh, you said that and i was like oh yeah totally that's a great idea like let's talk about it um and i had time to then sit with it and think about it some more and weigh some of the other ideas that were coming up for me around what to do with it and over a period of days realized that the whole concept of selling you will yeah, there were different arrangements discussed, but we'll just say selling you the car. Mm. Um, actually wound up feeling more complicated for me uh, than I had initially appreciated. And that, to put a pin in maybe to come back to, that's sort of a pattern that I have that I see in my life is often um, if I'm asked for something, initially being very solicitous, saying, mm -hmm. oh yeah, totally a great idea, and not being so good at 
being checked in with um, my boundaries or my needs or whatever in that moment, and then later sort of backtracking. That's an old pattern of mine that I'm that this is an opportunity to to look at. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And so we talked yesterday, and I shared. I think the main things I shared from from my standpoint, which you can get more into, are that it was feeling a bit complicated the idea of selling you the car and i had realized that what i was most wanting to do was donate it to a charity and yeah so that was kind of what my intention was in in sharing last night and you can take it from there yeah so well so to bring in a little bit of of a few more details about our past interaction. So when I initially broached this idea, you said, without without me even asking for it, you said, oh yeah, I was gonna donate it to charity anyway. Correct me if I'm wrong, this is my recollection, but you had said I was gonna donate it to charity anyway, and basically my impression from that initial conversation was that you were saying, provided I pay like whatever the registration or some sort of administrative fee, that you would be okay with letting me drive it for a few months before you donate it to charity and or it, it wasn't totally clear what the arrangement was but it seemed like the initial arrangement was something that was going to it felt to me like sort of a win-win in the sense that you would still be donating the car to charity but that i would be able to use it for a few months before that happened yeah. and and then on a subsequent conversation right you had mentioned you know maybe you'd feel better if if i purchased it and then we had this conversation last night and my impressions of last night was well so after as i before our conversation last night as i kind of molded over more it felt to me like yeah like why wouldn't i'm just i say this without judgment but why wouldn't you let me just drive the car for a few months and then donate it to charity. You get what you were originally going to get, and I get you know a pretty huge uh, benefit, obviously, yeah. uh, of not having to otherwise buy. And then we talked last night, and so the pattern I observed, and let me say, I, I think we both left the conversation last night feeling pretty good. At least I did, at least on the surface. That was my sense, and the, I yeah. felt pretty good. And then I woke up this morning with it really. I woke up early and it was really kind of playing in my mind. Um, and I had a, yeah. yeah, I had a somewhat similar experience where even before I went to bed, I was kind of, it wasn't quite sitting well. But so uh, last night when we talked about it, what I observed to myself is I did, I remember at one point you said, you know, I kind of want to donate to charity for, for the karma. And, <laughs> and I assume what you meant by that is, you know, you wanted to give back, you wanted to help out. Like, I don't know if you literally meant karma in the Buddhist sense, but this was, <laughs> and what I said, and I think I said it fairly pointedly, it was the only time where I f- was aware of kind of a little bit of a quickening in myself. So emotion is, uh, as I w- said, you know, fair enough, but some people, or maybe I said, I would, I, I would also look at it as, you know, le- letting a friend use the car for a few months could also be construed or viewed as karma. Yeah. And it seemed like you saw my view and my overall feeling about last night is as soon as I said that and you kind of seemed to hear and accept that view, not necessarily meaning that you that's what you were going to do, but that you understood where I was coming from, it felt like I immediately kind of backed off and let it drop. Hmm. I was immediately like, you know, and I went to, yeah, you know what, it's honestly, it's not that big a deal. We're not talking about, um, you know, I don't know exactly when I'll need a car. 
Um, and whatever it is, you know, even if I have to buy a car, it's, it's, it's certainly not worth complicating our friendship and potentially our quasi-professional relationship as <laughs> via this podcast, but, but more, more friendship, um, for this. And I, I it felt to me like I was kind of like, yeah, you know, it almost felt when I got off the phone, it felt like, oh, I kind of just wanted to be heard, but ultimately, yeah, of course, it's not even worth making this an issue. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt last night. And then similar to you, when I woke up this morning, I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, why Why wouldn't he just let me use his car for a few months? It's a big difference for me. It doesn't seem like it's any real hassle for him. And then I started thinking about it more. And and I, if I, if I kind of drill down to the emotion, I don't know, there's a lot going on there. On one hand, there's a sense of... Sometimes I feel, we've talked about this with Clara, where early on, like when, so her and I were quarantining together, she left unexpectedly, and I became aware that there was a part of me that almost wanted to feel aggrieved or wronged. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, the, uh, is there a little bit of that going on here? Is there a part of me that wants to hold on to this feeling of feeling aggrieved with you? Mm. And then there was also a sense of, well, maybe I, I do feel maybe a little hurt in a way. And what is, what is that about? And I say maybe because this is very vague for me, but I, I came to the conclusion that maybe some of this, I mean, there is a material issue, obviously, um, in terms of, you know, uh, convenience cost and all that to me, but it felt to me like apart from that, maybe there's also a deeper issue of, oh, maybe part of me feels like if like not fully appreciated or valued, Mm. Which is I, which is my thing. I want I want to hasten to add this. I feel like this is, but it it felt to me like yeah, maybe there's a part of me that feels like oh, if Jordan really appreciated me and valued me, then he would be like yeah, of course you can drive the car, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it started bringing up these, yeah, the, these other things that. And as I'm saying this, I realize we kind of have. Yeah, a tough road to no, no pun intended to drive down right now together because you have you have you have at least dual if not triple roles here which is one in the in the context of this podcast presumably you would be helping me pro- process and clarify these emotions I'm feeling but then as a friend uh, but then also as someone on the other end of this potential transaction you have your own views and interests yeah the, there's uh but anyway that's and i the last thing i want to say about this is yeah like uh, you know what I, I i don't think i have anything else I, I need to say right now that's sort of what i'm muddling through right now yeah. vaguely yeah well I, I yeah i appreciate you saying that and and highlighting the multiple multiplicity of roles and i definitely want to come back to that and yeah in my role as therapist i'll say when i hear you say like you're wondering if you wanted to hold on to a feeling of being aggrieved like that strikes me as perhaps needlessly intellectualized and abstracted it's like oh yeah like maybe you woke up this morning you felt a little aggrieved you felt a little hurt yeah right um and that makes total sense and yeah uh, it's so (laughs) it's not lost on me that it's like basically you know insofar as i am playing your therapist on this show but not playing because playing assumes uh, you know 
playing denotes like acting or fiction. And I'm, I'm playing your therapist in that I'm not your therapist, but I am also trying to show up with exactly the same presence, uh, that when we're, when we're recording that I, you know, would be if I was, uh, if, if you were a client of mine, I'm, I really, it is important for me to, to show up in, in that same way. And so insofar as what we are doing isn't in many ways recapitulating therapy, it's not lost on me that buying a, selling your patient a used car is like so such a comically bad idea. Right. It's like basically you and I don't have sex with men, so we can't have sex with each other. So we found the second worst idea that you could possibly do. With a therapist and with client. A therapist right. client. Literally used car sales. <laughs> like, hey, she runs great. I, I put some egg whites in the radiator so that it would get and you back to Oakland. Down, when the yeah. car breaks down, I'm like, you know, I'd like a refund. And you're like, well, you know, Adam, I actually look at this as an opportunity to explore your feelings of betrayal and and heightened expectations <laughs> yeah so it's like amazingly meta but i think that my so i very much don't want to ap- approach this conversation from the from the place of just being a therapist and like analyzing what's coming up for you w- one because yeah as a friend i don't want to show up that way and I I actually don't believe that good therapy works that way either. I believe that I'm very influenced by a modern school of psychoanalytic thinking that's known as sort of like relational psychoanalysis. Um, and it very much incorporates this way of thinking that therapist and client are having a real relationship and they affect each other. And it's not just transference and counter-transference and projection. It's like we have a real relationship and affect each other. We also have a real relationship because we're really good friends. Yeah. And because we're doing a creative project together. So there's a triple there's a triple role. Um there are yeah, it's and so I think s- that has to do with what is coming up inside of me, which is that, and again, this gets so much into my stuff too, is a feeling of it being a little, a little too much, a little too intertwined, a little too complicated. Uh, I'm, I think I'm afraid that I would wind up feeling yeah if something went wrong if the paperwork was a huge pain in the ass if something broke down on the car you know right after I gave it to you there's a fear that I would wind wind up feeling um, annoyed or uh, bothered by the whole process and less able to be available to you as a friend, a co-host, and a quasi-therapist. Yeah. And 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 it go it, yeah, it goes really deep for me, like a memory that was coming up for me. Um before I jump into that, I'll say, yeah, so when I woke up this morning, um the pre- the predominating worry in my mind was something I'm very familiar with, which was kind of like 
am I hurting you? Am I being mm-hmm. too withholding? Am I mm-hmm. being yeah. too rigid with my boundaries for no good reason? Um, and a, a, a memory, I was talking about this with a, a friend this morning and a memory came up from my childhood where <laughs> this shows up what a nutso kid I was. I did not like having kids come over to my house when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I liked to go to other kids' houses for play dates. And I remember that one of the fears, this was probably just, you know, a conscious manifestation of something much deeper, but one of the fears with kids coming over to my house is I was afraid my toys would get broken. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking my mother for reassurance if I was going to have a play date where a kid came to my house, asking for reassurance that she would replace any toys that got broken. You're asking your mother for a warranty policy prior to a preemptive. Yeah. <laughs> so prior that's, to contr- yeah, yeah, that's like a window into mm-hmm. into a part of my mind that's very that can be very easily overwhelmed by too much connection. And that part of me is that part of me has been so indulged and spoiled the last three months where I've had to, you know, not do anything for anyone else that mm-hmm. is in any way extending myself beyond my limits. It's I've gotten so accustomed to social interactions now being, you know, ended at the click of a button. If I, if I right. sort of, Oh, you know what? Like I'm feeling ready to be alone again. Like gotta go. My toast is ready. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the messiness of, of human interaction has I'm right in even person, more out of right pra- in per- I'm even more out of practice with it than I <laughs> than I was before this. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of that's a sort of a brain dump for some of the things that are coming up for me. Yeah, and to be clear, the and of course this is self-serving on my part too. But when I thought about it, the buying the buying the car didn't didn't feel well it didn't feel good for me for two reasons one is it felt like yes there's all this potential for um yeah what if there are problems with the car and i've paid you a certain amount of money and it turns out now i need a repair and i can imagine a scenario where oh well you know it you you know should you give me back some of that money but what felt uncomplicated to me and again, very conveniently for me was paying you no money or paying you basically the direct costs where essentially it's, yeah, I'm driving, you're, you're still donating the car as you would have, you're still getting the tax break as you would have. And I'm just, you're just delaying that a few months so I could drive the car. Yeah. And, um, so I just wanted to say that because I agree that if there was like potential profit or something changing hands that could, that would further complicate it. And yeah, and I think for me, it's really not a money thing, which is interesting because I am by no means um, um, someone who doesn't think much about money. Like I definitely tend to keep track of my inflows and outflows. But and mm. so it's interesting to me that this issue has money has been way less important than sort of the symbolic meaning of the car. Um, what do I want to happen with it? What is it? Yeah. And my feelings toward how it would affect my relationship with you. Yeah. And so, right. So it felt to me like, like the way it wouldn't affect the relationship, which is maybe naive and maybe self-serving is, yeah, if it's just, Hey, Adam's just driving the car for a few months, no cost to me. If there are any costs in terms of paperwork or something, I would absorb those. Uh, but again, that's, that's my, my, it's, 
perhaps easy for me to say that yeah. when I'm no, the it's one funny. who's it's, entirely benefiting. It's interesting because as you're saying that now, like that is also making much more sense to me than selling it to you. But and that was the first idea we discussed, and then I backtracked from that. We discussed that fair, a few days ago. Yeah, to be fair, you actually brought up uh, brought up that I did. I did. I did. By me, yeah, you, yeah, you, and I, I was did. like, well, yeah, and I came off that conversation being like, wow, you know, it, it, I was, I was very appreciative of, yeah, uh, yeah. of that, and that I was, have- an, yeah, that was. I really think that's that's the pattern I was bringing up earlier that I have in my life of often being so excited to give people things um, that I that I say, oh yeah totally we'll do that thing we'll 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 go there I'll like I'll go on a second date with you totally and then and then after when I get to sort of be alone again um and settle down and check in with myself saying oh actually do I want to do that does that feel right for me so that's something I'm working on in my life is being able to in in real time be more checked in with what I want but yeah yeah so I did I did do that I I brought that up idea unbidden and then I decided that I wanted a clean break with the car that I wanted. Right. And so that that gets into yeah, the symbolic nature of this car in my mind, which is something that's been interesting to notice in the last couple of days what this car to recognize actually this you know it's just a hunk of metal and plastic uh that's you know kind of scratched and dented and not worth much but it's also like i've had this car since 2006 since i was 18 years old yeah and i have had so many different seasons of my life in this car you know from a a four-year relationship and we're going on trips in this car in college joining a frat (laughs) right we talked about wearing khakis and driving around drunk assholes kegs in the back kegs in the back like uh to driving across the country to move to california it's yeah like so it's just um i have so much nostalgia wrapped up in it and i was feeling like i wanted a clean break i wanted to donate it i because i also decided that i didn't want to sell it to anybody else like i I didn't want to trade it into the dealer when i got a new car i didn't want to try to sell it to somebody on craigslist or something because i wanted it to be respected um and i i I talked about this what what is yeah, yeah, no, I was curious what, what, what that term means to you in this. Yeah, context. well, also, so I actually, uh, uh, you know, another, this is like another window into how the, I, this really has been on my mind. I talked about this in therapy for a while the other day, um, and it's which is interesting because I don't tend to talk about things with friends uh, that come up with, with me and friends in therapy. So that just shows how uh, mm-hmm. you're the most intimate thing I got going right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not your corona wife but I want you to know that I've, <laughs> I've cathected all that's a, a, a very fancy word I've cathected all of my all of my libidinal 
intentions and energies into you, Adam. You're in my dreams. You're in my therapy. (laughs) Yeah, I talked about this. And my therapist brought up uh, an anecdote of, of, I don't know, she saw in a, a movie or something. In Japanese culture, like, if you're a chef and you've had this great knife for 20 years and then it's time to retire the knife, you've... The Japanese or, or some Japanese people, she was saying, you know, really, really believe that everything is imbued with spirit, uh, not just things that are alive and that you ritualize it. You thank the knife, you, mm. you know, you honor it and you set it aside and you bring in the, the new object into your life. And I was realizing that, that that's actually mo- much more important to me than I would have thought with this transfer from from old car to new car and it felt complicated the idea of it going to you i think i used the <laughs> i used the example when we were talk, talking yesterday the not totally apt analogy but like if your friend started dating your ex like even if you were the one who broke up with them uh, and you knew it was time for the relationship to end, like you wouldn't want your close friend to then start dating them. It would just feel... I'm not sure. I'm actually not <laughs> sure about that. And this is spoken as someone who's in a, a, a polyamorous relationship. So, right, that so that's... I think that's one of the... Uh, yeah, so I just... I want to bracket yeah, the sorry, idea of yeah. me... I want to bracket the idea of me lending you the car because there's other things there for me and come back to that. But I think one of the interesting hypotheses I have growing out of this is that is differences that you and I have in terms of boundaries. And I guess I don't even think boundaries are the right word, but yeah, boundaries, entanglements, something. And I think this shows up in the way we talk about our dating tendencies. You know, we joke that I, for me, when I'm in a new relationship, seeing each other once every two weeks feels about right. And and you have a much easier time diving headfirst into the deep end when you meet someone. I mean, we're we're talking about a pre, about a pretty small n, a pretty small number of of cases <laughs> for me. In that there have been, as we've discussed at length in many episodes, probably too much length for many listeners. My past sexual and relationship history. Yeah, there's been a lot of more type friends with benefits type thing, and relatively few significant emotional connections. And really, Clara is. There's there's been three of them in, since 2017, including Clara. But yes, in all three of those, I I have I have dove in pretty deeply, pretty yeah. quickly, seeing yeah. them a lot, seeing them frequently. Yeah, to a degree that I don't, I haven't experienced a really exciting new connection in a while. So who knows? Maybe I'll be eating my words next time I meet someone who really blows my hair back. But I think I probably wouldn't be able to tolerate that much quickness and intensity yeah um and why why do you think and what do you think that comes down to just inherent temperament or i am very prone to feeling overwhelmed by intimacy yeah to feeling a yeah a loss of my of my edges like where do i yep. where do i stop and where does another person begin it can be hard for me hey this is something this is very much like a 
a growing edge in my life and something I think about. Because as, as I was saying earlier, I want to be better at being able to be in close intimacy with someone and still feel like my edges are intact, my boundaries. But that's very much still a still a, a a place of growth for me and i'm i'm prone to feeling overwhelmed by intimacy and needing to retreat and go like get a break mm-hmm. um you know like next weekend i'm planning on taking my new car and driving down the coast and going and being in total isolation for a couple days so i feel like i need that right now just i have housemates and i haven't had that much i've had a lot of alone time but i haven't had that much like utter isolation and digitally digitally and get turning off the phone and stuff too and that that's the kind of thing i really need to i'll go into the wilderness for a few days and come out feeling like oh right that's who i am The, the same way i i might after uh after like a psychedelic experience come out being like right that's who i am like where what was it where was i i was i was missing myself yeah and so intimacy can challenge me in that way yeah no and i i uh yeah this is part of what i'm navigating with clara right now for sure but it does sound like just based on our relationship history for sure that there i do have more of a I don't know if I'd say comfort or willingness, desperation, whatever that drives me to be, to jump and go for it. And my perception has simply been, well, in the early stages of these relationships, I'm excited about this person. I really enjoy connecting with them. So it's like, yes, I, I want I, I want more of this. Um, but sorry, I kind of took us on maybe a bit of a tangent. You were saying in terms of boundaries think, related to... Uh, I think the thing that's, interesting right now in studying this dynamic that's unfolded around the car between us is that i would maybe put it under the category of something that in psychoanalysis is called an enactment where something happens between client and therapist quasi-client and fake therapist (laughs) where you're both sort of something is happening between you a dynamic is unfolding and there's unconscious pressures on both sides driving what's happening and it's not you don't quite know how it's happening but it once you get a handle on it and you know get some time to reflect you realize that both people are enacting some of their unconscious, you know, inevitably early childhood derived behavioral patterns with the other sort of projecting things onto the other. And it's not one person. Mm -hmm. It's not one person doing something or the other person doing something. It's this, it's this dance that just this like tangled up dance. And the reason I think that is just because this is not, this is not a new experience for me of being offering something and then feeling like in the heat of the moment and then yeah and feeling and and, and with someone that i'm in with someone that i'm close with finding them wanting something that i'm having wanting more from me than i'm feeling willing to give Mm -hmm. and it, it tends it tends to happen the closer the closer i get with someone the more likely it is to happen and i think 
there's so many things going on there. I think I tend to get close with people where that's likely to happen because that's kind of just how it works. It's sort of like different, the different poles of a magnet being attracted. And I probably pull wait, it out. Wait, I don't know. What, what are you, the different poles of the mag- magnet being attracted? Can you? Like, I think we've talked about this before with attachment. Um, the most obvious example being like the alcoholics child, then mm-hmm. marrying a string of alcoholics. It's like, right. But that, sorry, go on. So I think there's something, there's a, re, I, I tend to, I tend to get close with people who, where this dynamic is going to wind up happening, sort of like the North pole of a magnet attracting to the South pole of another magnet. Right. That's what I was clarifying. Cause that sort of, that to me, that sort of implies that maybe you get close with people who are wanting something and not wanting. So, I think it's, I get close or with you people, feel compelled to offer something to these sorts of people, whatever. I don't I think it's more complicated than that. I think yeah. it's, I yeah. think I tend to get close to people where maybe they're when they feel threatened, their tendency is to want more and when mm-hmm. I feel threatened, my tendency is to pull away. Or I, not, I and not even to, threatened, but just like overwhelmed yeah. or But I think I don't see to me that seems very removed from the actual facts of this case where it was simply Oh, I know I need a car. Oh, Jordan mentioned he's buying a new car. I wonder what he's doing with his old car. Oh, let me ask him about it. And and you and you offering initially this. Yeah. Like I guess I'm not seeing how how the feeling threatened or need or how how these deeper, more complex uh two-sided dynamics you're talking about come into play here. Yeah, I don't I mean, to the extent I feel any threat, I suppose I could. You could say, well, I feel threatened in that maybe in some abstract sense, as I said a, a little while ago, maybe in some abstract, but not necessarily untrue sense. I feel like, oh, it hurts a little bit because I feel like Jordan doesn't quote unquote value me enough or appreciate me enough, and then that's a threat. But that seems it seems like a lot of mental gymnastics to map what you said to me onto onto our situation. Yeah, I think I felt Yeah, I don't deleting the word threat cuz that's clearly you know, we both have like plenty of perspective on this and it's not a big deal, but I something in me felt like you were you were wanting something from me and if I didn't want to give it to you that I'd be hurting you in some way because it's uh, not yeah because it's, it's not yeah nothing. yeah no, that, it's that, like it, yeah no you know, that that's it's, that's if I mean, you're gonna yeah. have to rent if you're gonna have to rent a car i could yeah probably you know without too much difficulty a few hundred dollars and some paperwork and stuff i could you know i could save you a few thousand dollars or something which is yeah no that which is not but, nothing Right. No, that is the substance of what I was saying where I said feeling yeah. hurt. Yes, for sure. The, absolutely. That is a real dynamic yeah. in terms of the emotions in, in that sense. Yeah. So I think what I was really struggling with this morning was like that on the face of it, that really makes sense. Why would you, why would it be so important to you? You know, and I was sort of beating myself like, are you just afraid? Are you, do you just like not feel like filling out any forms or something or 
yeah or what's this like emotional need you have to sever ties with the car um and i'm still yeah i'm still puzzling over that what i have you know what i do feel is that were we not doing this show together i think it would probably i i would feel much more able to extend Mm -hmm. myself for the car and what was ladies and gentlemen this is the last episode sadly of not therapy (laughs) (laughs) but jordan i have a proposal you want to do a (laughs) called uh called uh the the bad therapy no that implies (laughs) that you're not good yeah (laughs) not 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 therapy totally unrelated but sorry <laughs> <laughs> whole new franchise filing for bankruptcy um i'm sorry go on though i, I did you were you were on to something and i want to hear no, it just saying like it feels like a lot to add a new complex dynamic to an already pretty complex relational setup we've got going here where we're friends mm-hmm. we're and, you know, I think actually the sort of the dyna- we, we don't have to get into this now or talk about it on the podcast, but the, the other dynamic to our relationship that doesn't get as much airtime is the editing process, mm-hmm. which is quite complex. Yeah. And we are both <laughs> investing a lot of time and energy in. And the early episodes were, yeah. were a little bit behind, but I think yeah. we we figured out. But yes, and and that yeah. that 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 is, and I think what you're probably alluding to there, if I, I may hazard a guess, is I can sometimes get frustrated or discouraged by that process because it can feel like a lot of work. I'm doing most of the work necessarily because I'm doing most of the talking on the podcast, so I'm the one who has to uh, listen to my stuff. And and I have been aware sometimes of a dynamic where it feels like yeah sometimes it feels like you you have to kind of talk me down from the ledge a little bit where I'm getting frustrated like man this is taking so much time and and you have to be a bit of a cheerleader and a and a soother. I think yeah I can really connect to that. There are <laughs> you edit late at night. You're a night owl and I'm a morning person. Yeah, and I have a very bad habit of. As I wake up every morning, I meditate. And in an ideal world, I then like build in some space after I meditate to journal and make my tea or coffee or whatever and like listen to the birds chirp. Instead, what I do 95% of the time is as soon as the meditation timer goes up, I immediately pick up my phone and turn it off airplane yeah. mode and start reading my emails. And there are times yeah not infrequently in the last couple months where you know the first email i look at is something you wrote the night before where um yeah when you were editing and you were you were frustrated yeah and i have trouble not taking that on um Mm -hmm. i have trouble and this is something i have with my real patients because i have thanks to the wonders of modern technology my actual patients are also able to send me written messages which yeah a past generation of psychiatrists and therapists didn't have to deal with but yeah that must change medical record yeah. they can send me messages and i can really be affected when i get 
people tend to when they're to when they're writing to you know there's no feedback so you so you just kind of vent your frustrations Mm -hmm. and i have a hard time i have a hard time receiving frustrations in uh not that you're expressing frustrations with me you're just frustrated um i have i have trouble receiving that and not getting worried about it oh is adam gonna say he doesn't want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. you know am i doing something should i have edited that before him so that it was easier for him yeah it feels yeah and then often we'll hop on the phone later in the afternoon and it'll totally we'll smooth it out in in no we'll smooth it out no time everything's good and i'll reflect like to myself damn dude you just wasted you just felt worried about Mm -hmm. how adam was doing for no reason for six hours or something when and like let that and again not that that's i I certainly don't mean to that's my that's my that you know that's my stuff that's that's not that's not to put anything on you but But it's it's, to yeah it it does feel it feels good to share that with you how that sometimes yeah how that sometimes how how that sometimes winds up banging around in my heart and mind and i think that really does connect to the car thing because again like i was saying before the number one priority i have is to show up in our friendship and in this podcast in in so far as i really am trying to drop into an authentic the same space of you know therapeutic attunement with you as i would with any with any paying client and what's most important for me to be is to is to preserve that capacity in myself to really be able to bring my whole heart um in service to to you and to this thing we're we're building yeah no thank you for sharing that and you said you know it doesn't have to do with me it's your thing but it does have to do with me because i certainly do have a tendency i mean it's gotten dramatically better you know this is the same tendency in 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 much more attenuated form you're seeing the same thing that landed me in the mental hospital when i was 18 which i would you were talking about overwhelm in a different context with intimate relationships but where i can reach this point of feeling like a degree of frustration that feels at least temporarily unmanageable and Again, that was when I was 18. It was like I, I went to the mental hospital, not because I was actively suicidal, that that was why I got checked in somewhat against my will, but really it was just I didn't know what to do with myself. And it's that same feeling, much diminished, where that can come up where I'm like, oh man, this is just, this is taking so much work. And, and so there is a pattern, and I think this does absolutely relate to my mother, where, and I've seen it. I've seen it in, in most often in romantic intimate relationships. And since there's been so few of real deep romantic intimate relationships in recent years, I haven't seen it that much in recent years. I haven't had that many people in my life because with friends, this sort of thing will rarely come up because there's just not the sort of raw material to, to you know what I mean? I'm not editing yeah. podcasts with most friends. Yeah. And so, but the tendency, if I had to kind of, encapsulate it would be I, I look at it in this sort of infantile thing which is if i cry hard enough and wail loud enough you know maybe mommy will make it better and, and I, I don't it's i don't you know 
you're you're not fulfilling a primary caregiver role in my life and but it is there is a part of me that and it's humbling to see that it's still active because i don't think of it as that active these days that when i'm upset there is a tendency to share that and share that with a lot of emotion even if it's just via text and I think it's some unconscious, I mean, if I'm saying it, it can't be unconscious by definition, but I'm not, it's, there's certainly no conscious thought that, well, if I really express how upset I am, then this person will somehow make things better. But it does remind me, I don't know, it could just be an intellectual abstraction, but it does feel like maybe there's some connection there with expressing frustration or upset in the hopes that some parental figure will, will alleviate it. I certainly saw that. I mean, if we're going to go back to Annie, the relationship that ended 17 years ago, that was the sort of catalyst for the OCD. That was a dynamic that I think kind of doomed that relationship. Mm-hmm. I was having a lot of trouble with insomnia at, at that point. And I noticed that if I didn't sleep, I would often be more upset if she were around than if she weren't around. If there were an audience for my anguish, mm-hmm. that could make the anguish heightened in some way. Oh yeah. I totally, I've experienced that in psychedelic work before, um, mm-hmm. where I having a hard time. And if the, you know, shaman guide, whomever is available, then yeah, there's kind of a, a tantruming, uh, a wishing that they could fix it. But sort of a push yeah. pull because, like, wanting them to fix it, but also knowing that they can't, and being sort of resentful about that, and just baby shit, just tantrumy baby shit, and then they leave, you know, go take care of someone else in the maloka or leave the, yeah, leave the space, and all of a sudden I'm like 15 years older than I was <laughs> a minute ago, and I can, I'm like, oh, hey, actually, like, you can just get up and stretch a little, and your back will feel better. <laughs> Yeah, you don't yeah. need mommy to <laughs> to see that. Yeah, so that's like a fascinating. That's a fascinating thing, and I, I, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that and being vulnerable around that. I that sounds that sounds. I I I I feel sometimes when you conjecture about. Um, yeah, what what dynamic might be underlying something that's coming up for you or behavior for you? It it sounds a little intellectualized. That sounded true to me. That no, yeah, that noticing noticing that connection and the um, the way that distress can at times feel overwhelming and difficult yeah. to contain, and that that sounded true. And I think that's really important to for us to be noticing. And I, yeah, I, I was just going to say it's, it is, yeah, it is humbling and a little bit painful to, to realize that that has impinged upon your and my relationship. And, 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 and I get also that to the extent this is therapy, that's also part of the therapeutic process with your, with your therapeutic orientation. As you've said on past episodes, you're kind of, when stuff comes up between the therapist and the client, then you're really cooking with gas. Exactly. Yeah. i I completely know the feeling of being embarrassed that these old things are still coming up that have, I've, I feel that feeling all, it's not uh, all the time. It's less embarrassment. It's more, I I guess I feel sad that, uh, 
that that stress has affected you. Oh. Um, that I can imagine that, oh, like I just have this image of, because I, I am the same way too, <laughs> to, to a T where I wake up. Usually I do my meditation and prayer before I turn on the phone. Sometimes I don't when I'm in a state of higher anxiety. But then <clears throat> I certainly know that moment of turning on the phone. I had one this morning with it on something unrelated to us where I turn on the phone and saw something and I felt like this anxiety and like, oh, this is something, not so much this is something I have to deal with, but now this is something that's going to be kind of weighing on me. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, the thought that I've, I've occasioned those feelings in you, it does bring up a, a, maybe a lot of mom stuff where it's like, you know, this dynamic we've talked about where I really believed and continue to believe that the main source of suffering for my mother growing up was me. I think I was also a great source of joy and I don't doubt that she loved me, but I think the thing that caused her the most pain and anguish, I, I really believe this was, was me. And, and I don't think I'm the thing that causes you, you the most pain and anguish, but to the extent I do cause some, yeah, just I, I put myself in your shoes and I and it feels I don't know, I just kind of feel like, man, I just I, I gotta do uh better, which is a feeling I also had as a kid with my mom when it was like, Oh god, I made her cry again. Mm. Tomorrow I'm gonna pick up my toys when she tells me to. I'm not gonna put this on her again. Mm. And then I would get into the same state with her. You know, we're talking I was whatever, eight years old, six years old, where that feeling of overwhelm would come in and I, I just couldn't contain it and I would have a tantrum. Mm -hmm. And these little messages we send back and forth when I'm editing the podcast, yeah, there's a there's a little tantrum quality sometimes where I'm like just getting upset and realistically, there's nothing you're gonna be able to do. I'm gonna suck it up and 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 edit it. And I and I think I've I've generally made clear that even when I'm frustrated, like, yeah, I still want to keep doing this project, but, but yeah, it just, and there's other relationships too, where I, I, uh, yeah, you know, I guess I've been kind of, the truth is I haven't really considered, I haven't considered at all that, oh, when I'm sending one of these messages express, expressing frustration, that it might actually affect you emotionally. It, it hasn't, it hasn't occurred to me, but of course mm -hmm. it would. You're a friend and a human, and this is a project we're working on together, and something we both have, you know, a fair amount at stake in, and that we care about this, we value this. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. again, it's it's it, you know, it's not like these emails are in any way critical. Um, it's not. Yeah, no one listening should have the impression that I'm waking up to an email like, God damn it, Jordan! Like, why didn't you? Um, <laughs> oh right, critical. Right, the they're not critical, critical of me. Yeah, right, like, right. Um, but I do see how you could also feel, if not criticized, threatened in a way. Like, oh, this is something I'm doing with Adam. We're doing this together, and Adam is feeling distressed about it. And you know, as you said earlier, maybe I could see it provoking a thought in your mind, like, well, wait, maybe I should I be editing these first? Should I be? I don't know. I could it's, just putting myself in your shoes. Yeah. I could see all of that. Very. I think easily. it's more like, is he gonna want to stop doing this? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Am I gonna get fired? <laughs> <laughs> but there's also, again, and this is what this is the nature of re human relationships. Is it's not. It's my shit too. It's like it's your shit and it's my shit, and that's what that's so fascinating because it yeah. also it it lands 
Like it would, mm-hmm. there are plenty of, there are plenty of podcast therapists out there who <laughs> would probably read those emails and be like, eh, whatever. Sounds like Adam <laughs> was cranky last night. Right. But I, this is a unique, this is one of my things. I'm really sensitive to people being upset with me, um, to letting people down, hurting people, mm-hmm. etc. So it's, and again, it's like this happens enough in my life that I don't think it's, yeah, it, you know, I have, there's like sort of mystical conceptions I have around it sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, I tend to come together with people who are gonna, who are gonna wind up pulling, you know, playing certain notes inside of me that are, mm-hmm. that are related to my own personal vulnerabilities dating back to, to my own mother. Well, and you could, that's not a, I mean, even take putting aside the mystical things you could say certainly there are relationships that i wouldn't do this with because i wouldn't feel the level of comfort and intimacy right like well here's a here's a classic example let's go back to mom so i had these huge freak out temper tantrums on an almost daily basis that would me punching things, punching in windows smashing my toys that would result with my mom crying but outside the house i was very well behaved my teachers, there was never, oh, wow. so there was some sense that, and my mother would often bring this up. She, she, she would sometimes say, you know, that I was being manipulative and that, and I don't know if she really believed that, but I think the substance of that was, well, clearly I, she felt that I'm not sure about this, if this is what she felt, but it, 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 I wonder if she felt that, well, Adam kind of does this with me cause he knows he can quote unquote, get away with it. Hmm. Like it wasn't at school that, I mean, also there wasn't, I mean, I didn't have an intimate relationship with anyone as intimate as with my mom. So that, so my, there was no sense of anyone else impinging on my boundaries the way my mother did. So there's a lot of other factors that were unique to that relationship. But what I will say is I did not lose my shit in school. Yeah. And so I guess the parallel I'm drawing is, is yeah, there's, there's a sense of, of, um, you know, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is fairly obvious. There are certainly relationships in my life where even if I was working on a shared project and I was feeling frustration, I wouldn't express it or I wouldn't express it with the same sort of emotional tenor to it. But because I, I'd feel like that person would be like, I don't care. Or they'd be like, you know, screw you, you're stressing me out. I'm, I'm out of here or wh- whatever the case is. So there may be a sense of, um, I, I'm, projecting or assuming a lot or extrapolating, but I could see someone in your position feeling, um, I don't know. It's, it's not taken advantage of is not right. And it's not that extreme, but I could see, I, I don't know. I don't know quite where I'm going with that other than to say that I could see it being difficult for you and uh, I guess maybe can I see it evoking a little bit of resentment? Maybe like, oh, Adam, you know, Adam is kind of putting this stuff on me, and and therefore I need to draw stronger boundaries so that he doesn't feel like he can. Maybe. I mean, I think that's where the car thing comes in because yeah. I think my boundaries around the car really have to do with wanting to avoid a feeling of resentment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think for, for me too, I think that's why we wanted to come together and talk about this again is I think, yeah, yeah that's that's the danger. Wanting to avoid the potential that adding one more v- 
complicated variable could be could be too much for me um yeah 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 because you know because the whole the email thing the the editing emails and the waking up in the morning and that stuff it's like I'm so glad we're talking about it right now. Like, I feel so... Yeah, I feel like this is an important thing. I feel so connected and like this conversation feels very alive and important and we're getting to some really important stuff for both of us. And that's sort of the point of the cooking with gas idea is it's like, oh no, this is not... This stuff is not at all a hindrance or a barrier to the work of therapy and insight and growth this is the path like the complicated and and that's not just a a therapy thing that's a relate human relationships thing it's like you always feel closer after you get into something that feels sticky and challenging and emotionally fraught if it's I never handled, thought about it that way. If it's way. handled yeah. gracefully, it builds closeness and understanding. And there's no avoiding that. A life built around avoiding that is, you know, like a 1950s cellophane wrapped, um, totally surface level relational life, in my, in my not so humble opinion. Yeah, I've certainly seen that with Clara. You just you just brought that into. Uh, sharp focus for me, which, cause that, that has been the experiences every time there's something difficult that comes up, something awkward, something painful. It's yeah, there, there's, we feel closer and stronger. And I, I am really glad we're bringing this up because yeah, this is a dynamic that I, it doesn't come up with many relationships because I don't have, again, the sort of material that would bring it up. I'm talking about this sort of but I don't know, tantruming is a strong word, but this, yeah, let's say these, these minor text tantrums or email tantrums, uh, I'm not loving the word tantrums, but these minor, but but definite me me expressing frustration. Because yeah. that's really what a tantrum is yeah. when, I was, when I was six years old, is I was just so frustrated about my mom telling me to pick up the toys and I yeah. just couldn't fucking yeah. take it. And I think something that's going on for me right now is, yeah, thinking about the car thing, I'm thinking again in myself like it really wouldn't be such a big deal to just renew the registration and you get your own insurance and you just like take the fucking car for a few months. And I'm reflecting on how that feels like much less of a big deal than it did two hours ago. You know, two hours ago it was really important for me to have finality with it, um, say goodbye, this and that. And I I think that shift in me, again, not to, you know, I'll keep thinking about it when we get up there, because not, <laughs> not, okay. not, to, not to do my thing again, where I'm like, you know what, take Mr. it. Actually, Piper, actually Adam, <laughs> I love you so much, I want you to take the new one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think what that is for me is that, and this I've seen this so many times with women, I've seen this so many times uh, with my therapist is that once we're able to talk about it and I'm able to share something with you that I'm afraid is going to be hurtful to you. Once I see that you're able to survive that, um, and not be hurt or 
lash out at me or leave or something, I feel much more confident. I feel confident going deeper into connection and complication and, and intimacy with you. I'm like, oh, okay, it's actually not such a big deal. He can take the fucking car and if the radiator breaks in a hundred miles, we'll figure it out. Um, and I can, and I can tell him if he's, yeah, if I'm starting to feel resentful, if I'm starting to feel annoyed, like Mm -hmm. I can, and that's such a huge theme in my life is I grew up in a house where I didn't feel comfortable expressing anger, a a, a range of, I've, I've shared this on the podcast to draw a distinction between us because you were able to express a lot of anger um, at home, not that it was contained in the right way or productive right. or, or this or that, but it was, it could happen. I did it. You did, you did it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't feel able to do that as a child. And, um, you know, for various reasons, I think I, I thought my parents couldn't handle it when I was a kid. So I didn't do it. I kept it inside. And the result of that has been a life of, walking around very carefully in the world feeling like people are much more fragile than they are sort of like Mm -hmm. i've i've this is a pretty you know something that's been in the last like three to six months coming out more and more in my therapy this realization like oh yeah i walk around in a world made of like porcelain people and that sucks because it's so because you can't get close to anyone if you're afraid you're going to break them you know, you're polite. Yeah. Like I'm very polite. I'm a nice doctor, man. You know, the vast majority of people who have ever interacted with me would say I'm a nice guy, but I've also, there's a lot of loneliness in my life and it's because, and I think it's very related to this feeling of needing to be careful with people. So I, yeah, just, I wanted to share that process that goes on in me as we're able to get into this sticky conversation and both you know both come through it with a lot of grace and understanding i'm like what was i so worried about it's not such a big deal yeah and what i'm what 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 i'm feeling is also it feels like you have kind of laid out a boundary in a way not that you've said don't text me or email these but i think there has been because i think now i'm aware that oh that that affects jordan and it ultimately doesn't, I don't think it helps me in those moments expressing that degree of frustration. I don't think I get relief from it. I think I maybe do sometimes get a bit of, maybe that's a lie. Maybe I do get a little bit of transitory relief. Like, okay, I've kind of put this down, set this down on paper or, you know, email. I I don't know. I, I want to get back to that and I will in a moment, but in specific relation to what you're saying, I wonder if part of your increased feeling of comfort in this moment is that you expressed like to me this feels like a pretty significant dynamic in our relationship the me sending these frustrated emails that i was totally unaware of Hmm. and like it feels significant it feels like Hmm. this this was probably something that i'm just projecting what i would feel like that that probably kind of weighed on our relationship like i can imagine um not like you know, really poisoning it or heavily compromising it, but kind of, uh, yeah, I could see it weighing on, on, on me where the situations were reversed. And so I'm also wondering if part of what's happening is that you've expressed this to me. Um, I've heard it and, and taken it to heart and it actually, I do, I 
the emotion I feel is maybe somewhat oddly, I feel sadness around that. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't feel, mm, do I feel guilt? I don't know if I feel guilt. It feels just maybe a little bit, but like, maybe it's a little bit of sadness for myself. Like, ah, oh man, you're, you're, you're still doing this. You're still, you're still putting your shit on people. And, but also for you, cause I, obviously I do know you're a super sensitive person and just like, yeah, it just sucks to think that like you've had, I'm not imagining that it's dominated your entire day, but that it's made, it's made things less pleasant for you sometimes than it would have been if you hadn't woken up and seen an email like that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's good for me to hear that because it is important for me to realize that, yeah, when I express things in this way, it can impact people. Yeah. Yeah. And, but also for our relationships, our, our, our manifold myriad relationships, <laughs> uh, to, to feel like, oh yeah, that's something, uh, that, that's not, I, I, coming back to what I said before, that doesn't feel trivial to me that this has been something that's been going on, that, but I've been unaware of it. So again, maybe some of your comfort is like, oh, we got this out and Adam actually seems to be taking this to heart in some way. Mm. Mm-hmm. And maybe that makes you feel more comfortable with like, oh, you know, if there are issues that come up with the car, we'll be able to navigate it. Cause I can imagine the nightmare scenario being you getting an email instead of the email being like, oh man, I spent three hours trying to, to edit this podcast and I, I still haven't finished it and this is taking so much time and I have all this other stuff. Instead of that, an email like, oh man, I got stranded on the Pacific Coast Highway cause your fucking <laughs> radiator broke and it cost $600 to tow your car. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, if yeah. I- Yeah, I something can, like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But again, it's, I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think the fear is actually of that happening. It's of you resenting the fear is of me. Yeah. The fear is of me f- be feeling less close to you because I'm resenting to you and I can't tell you that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so it's the fear of the relationship being less close. It's not actually. Yeah. So that fear is greatly diminished. Even if nothing in your behavior changed, you know, even if the emails, the, the email thing didn't change in any way, I would still feel better just knowing we had been able to talk about it. And um, is that because, is that because I can imagine two reasons for that? One could be I we we're now closer as humans, and so that makes you feel like, yeah, this is something I want to do for this person. Or is it, and these aren't mutually exclusive. Or is it that the fact that we were able to navigate through this kind of fraught territory gives you confidence in our ability to navigate if let's say you are feeling resentment in the future that you can then now you feel more confident that you can say hey adam i'm feeling a little bit of resentment and you're not going to shatter porcelain adam yeah yeah i think it's yeah and it's just it goes back to what i said once about my personal feeling around the the quintessence of the mechanism of therapy which is say a thing that you feel like makes you a monster and have the other person say, Oh no, you're not a monster. 
Yeah. <laughs> just like rinse and repeat. Like take a thing from inside, put it out there, have it not destroy another person. Yeah. Um, and th- and therefore be able to be closer with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should sell this episode as a training video for people to negotiate their used car sales. <laughs> Guaranteed 30% off list price or your money back. <laughs> Dr. Eiper and Adam gotta... Strauss <laughs> first develop a very uh, complex relationship with your dealer, <laughs> dealer <laughs> over several years. Ideally, go to the same ayahuasca retreat center. <laughs> It's a long game. It's a long, it's a long game. But it's game but when you boy. see the savings, you... <laughs> just gotta make them feel safe. Everyone's just trying to feel emotionally safe. Fuck! Oh, I really fucked it up at the Toyota dealership the other day. I should. I know. <laughs> I should have spent several do I want more the, years. Do I want there. the turbocharged option? Well, the question is: Do you want to turbocharge your connection with your inner child? <laughs> the question is, Alan. How are you doing? How's coronavirus doing? How's the family? Why is this all about me and my needs <laughs> for the power steering? Sit what about down. your needs Sit for? Down. I don't care that the phone's ringing. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> But this is this is not this is not easy stuff to 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 navigate. We're talking about money, we're talking about friendship, and we're talking about this pretty unique thing that that we're doing, which is not therapy. And yeah, um, yeah. So well, I, let's uh, let's keep on keeping it real. Yeah, that's all I can yeah. say. Let's. Yeah. Well, I I I want to express real gratitude to you for. Um, I don't know for letting me letting me see this thing that you were afraid to share. Which by this, I'm, and maybe this isn't as big a deal for you as this for me, but it feels. I keep coming back to, it feels like a big deal. This whole editing thing and getting these emails, yeah. it feels like. Yeah, I don't know. If big, I think you're. Yeah, I wanted to respond a little while ago when you were talking about it because I think, you know, you you were talking about the sadness, and I definitely I definitely want to honor the sadness. Because I think that sadness is often a very important emotion on, uh, you know, on the way to a realization, a change, something, you know, sadness is so often the emotion we've been feeling all these other emotions in order to avoid. Right. Sadness is so pure and so filled with potential for change often. So I definitely want to, want to honor the presence of that sadness but then I sensed you going into a little bit of the dynamic that it sounds like was, you know, such a big part of childhood, which is I'm bad. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. you know, that's one that I just don't see. I want to say, you know, don't feel that on it. That doesn't do us any good. Like doesn't help me. Doesn't help you. I, yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. And I guess it's not, I think there is a danger to, that I could go into that, but it doesn't feel quite like that. It, I, I actually, what I hope it feels like, I want to check in more with myself, is compassion for myself too, that I can still get caught yeah. in this dynamic of of tantruming, albeit in small smaller ways, and, uh, and, and do things that can 
put some stress on relationships I value. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it is a dying, yeah. I hear that. And for, and for me as well, this morning I was like, oh God, I'm doing that thing where I, mm, yeah, pull away and withhold myself from someone and f- and I'm not aware of what I need and feel like I need to protect myself and isolate from the world. And yeah, it's just always going to keep on happening. Right. We always, Is it? <laughs> well, you know, I think of growth and development as, um, and I, I, I didn't come up with this metaphor as like a spiral. It's like, we come to the same place again, but we're a little higher. We're a right, little like higher an, up a, an ascending spiral. An ascending spiral. <laughs> yeah, not like a toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I think of therapy as a spiral. <laughs> Just yeah. circle the drain. <laughs> an ascending spiral staircase. So it's like, oh man, I'm here again. But it's like, ah, you're you're here again, but you're actually in a. You're actually like higher that. Yeah. than you were before. Yeah, you're in a different place, and then eventually yeah. you get to, you get to God, you get to, you get to the big guy in the clouds. <laughs> It's probably going to be like episode 100 or something. (laughs) Yeah. Big anniversary episode. We're well on our way. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. So I guess we we leave it here and sit with it and. um, Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry, everyone listening who is waiting on bated (laughs) breath to hear the next. uh, The next chapter in the Clara saga. We got a whole new thing to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> next, I'm going to buy Jordan's used cell phone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Then I do have to date your ex-girlfriend just for the... Uh, <laughs> I'll see if she's available. <laughs> I actually, I do know one of your ex-girlfriends who I find quite attractive. So, um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> just saying I'm, I'm willing to do that on my end if it, if it helps the podcast just saying adam's poly so <laughs> all right well thanks for yeah thanks for engaging with me on this oh, and uh 100 no, yeah this really has been really good i'm really this grateful been... for that you uh, it's, yeah it's funny it's like you texted me today mentioning you know i i feel like you took the step forward saying like hey you know it's still on my mind i wanted to talk about it and it felt yeah you know it felt like when you're like a, a very small version of when you're like having a spat with a lover and you get that text being like hey you want to talk it's like I, yeah we had it had been on both of our minds and i really i don't you know i don't know that i've ever had a conversation like this with a man who was uh yeah with a friend with a dad yeah with a, with a dude. yeah no i i i don't think i have nor do i think i've had a conversation like this with a, with a therapist i think the, yeah the closest analogs would be uh romantic romantic partners so this is Ugh, one of these days we're just gonna yeah. have to bite the bullet and have sex <laughs> <laughs> that's the hundredth episode <laughs> that they didn't want to <laughs> running out of content <laughs> the sponsors the sponsors are getting restless <laughs> all right my all dude. right well good stuff man and uh yeah no i i appreciate all this and we will uh we will talk soon we'll talk soon have a good night right. brother you too